All right. Hey, um, my name is Jim, and I'm really glad that you guys uh, made it here. Thanks for coming out. We uh, first just want to say thank you to those of you guys who helped with the middle and high school auction last week. You know, high school is going on a mission trip this summer. We'll take a bunch of kids off uh, to Costa Rica. And so what you did last week by supporting the middle and high school ministry helps everything happen. Guys, you got to know, like, when middle school meets on Wednesday nights in here, there are so many kids out there, and our estimate is about half or even more than half don't have a church home. Their families don't have anywhere that they go to church. And so what you're doing when you support those ministries is you really, it's a really significant outreach that you're making. So we want to say thank you. Uh, I would encourage you guys, uh, they still need help. So even like today, when you go outside the curtain here, there's those two boards. You may notice those envelope boards. That's one real easy way that you can continue uh, to help middle and high school ministry. You could talk to Chris or Brian more about that and how you can help out. But we are so appreciative of your generosity, and it matters, guys. So thank you for helping out there. All right, we're um, finishing up a series this week called The Truth Hurts. And what the, the idea behind the series is Jesus was so generous and loving and had amazing things to say and just we still quote him like crazy and the, we love the, the love that poured out of him. And man, he sure was, right? And yet sometimes for those of you who have read uh, any of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you'll be reading and you'll be seeing these amazing things that Jesus is doing and then you'll come across something that he says where you just go, whoa. Like it either just feels like a head scratcher, what is he talking about? Or it's like, ouch. He'll say things that are just, boo, in my grill. And what, what we wanted to do these few weeks with The Truth Hurts is look at some of those passages where you're just like, man, that one hurts. Woo! And so we've been unpacking those week by week. Uh, we started uh, a few weeks ago where we talked about the passage where Jesus says, anyone who doesn't hate their father or mother is not worthy of following me. Okay? Again, what are you talking about? So if you miss these, you ought to go back and listen to some of them. You can get all the stuff online, listen in if you're interested in some of these passages. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Bill did a talk on, well, let me just have Bill in his own words describe to you what he talked about. Check this out. You turn and look at the house, and what do you do? Judgment! And what do you do? Judgment! 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 <sighs> I swear, you guys, I'm making that my ringtone. I... I I, you know, I would love to have wake up to that judgment. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. If you're new, uh, it could sound like this is like fire and brimstone, weird church. That was not the talk. The, the talk was all about how uh, Jesus is telling us, like, you better reserve your judgment and be careful. You better know somebody's story. You better look at your own heart and your own life before you cast judgment on somebody else. So build it a beautiful job of that. And last week, Maurice talked about how sometimes our traditions can get in the way of our relationship with God. So we've had a great few weeks. We're going to finish it up this week. I think this week, I'm praying has the potential to change the way you interact with God. It, I'm praying this week has the potential to change the way that you pray. 
that your interaction with God after this week, I pray, will be different. That's been my prayer coming into this. So let me dive in. I want to show you, you're going to get kind of two for one. There's two tough ones that Jesus sends our way this week. And uh, we're not going to spend much time on the first one. We're going to spend the bulk of our time on the second one. But I want you to see these, uh, this story unfold and how Jesus responds. And we've got to unpack this because if we don't, uh, we could start going down the wrong trail with something Jesus says here. Are you ready? Okay. So this is from Matthew 17. Jesus, uh, the context is Jesus has been up on a mountain for a few days. He's been uh, up with friends and he's been having an interaction with God that's just mind-blowing. And when he comes back down the mountain, there is trouble waiting for him. And so look, look what happens in Matthew chapter 17. Check it out. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. There's like no way this guy can escape. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. What's going on is there's this dad who's got this kid who he loves. And I'm sure some of us in this room, maybe you can relate to this. There's something that feels completely out of our control. And he's been praying, like, God, what do I do? How do I heal my kid? Climb into what this guy's feeling for a second, how, how helpless he feels. And so he's heard that Jesus can heal, and so he's bringing his kid, his son, to Jesus. And he, man, he's just desperate, hoping that something could happen here that would heal his kid. But before he brought his kid to Jesus, he brought his kid to somebody else. Look at the next passage here in verse 16. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. So what's going on here? You know, these disciples are probably wondering, like, is it just Jesus that can do miracles? Because he talks like we can too, and yet here comes this son with, this, with his dad, and we couldn't do anything. So what I, what I want to um, point out to you guys something, we need to do a little word study here because there's a theme that's going to emerge through the passage. I want to make sure you don't miss because you'll miss it in English. So when this was translated from Greek into English, we missed an important word that didn't get translated into this translation. And the word is a word dynamis. When it says they couldn't do it, the actual word there is dynamis in Greek. Just for a second, look at that word. What does it make you think of? Dynamite. Dynamo. What does that mean? I'll show you what it means. <laughs> I just want to say for a second, okay? Just, just give, me a, give me a second. From the new year, the, the, the calendar flipped, and I've missed being in the gym only like four days of the whole new year. And I have been in the gym. Lift, thank you. And um, yeah, I'm telling you right now, you want to know what dynamis is, get up here and feel this, because I'm feeling it. There is power right there. I can feel the dynamis, okay? Now, here's what's going to happen to the dynamis. And by the way, you're lucky I got a long sleeve shirt on, because I don't think some of you can handle this. So... <laughs> I can feel the dynamis, but here's what's going to happen. I'm going to realize here in a couple weeks in April that my wife actually doesn't care, okay? And I'm going to stop going to the gym, and the dynamis is going to become dad bod, just like that. And so what happens is, in Greek, when you have something and it becomes the opposite, you put an A in front of it. 
the word that's used in that passage isn't dynamis, it's a dynamis. It's a dynamis. Just like when we say typical and then we turn around and we say it's atypical, that means it's not typical anymore. It's not, we can negate a word by putting an A or an E in front of it. That's exactly what happens in this little passage that I read to you. So go back to it for a second here uh, in verse 16. I brought him to your disciples, but they had a dynamis. They had no power. There's no power in them. They didn't have the same power that we've heard that you have. Jesus, where's the power? So remember that because there's going to be a theme that's going to emerge here in the passage that we're going through. Okay, here's the first one that Jesus really hits us with. You're expecting Jesus to say, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Let's, uh, let's talk. I'll work with these disciples, you know. Um, that's not what he says. Look what he says in verse 17. Get ready for an ouch. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. So I have this Bible, and I read this. Uh, in the morning, I'll sit down, I'll try to, you know, read through a chapter or whatever. And I got this big Bible because I love to make notes in it. And so when I'm reading through it, I look back. As I was getting ready for this, I look back. At some point, I had read this in, in the little column here. I wrote, uh, Wow, he's feeling a little cranky. <laughs> um, what's, what's going on, Jesus? Like, this doesn't feel like you, man. Like, um, so there's two theories, and I don't want to spend much time on it. I'll, I'll give you the two theories, and you can decide. Uh, the first theory is that we talk a lot about Jesus being God on earth, that God entered into our world. That's the, that's, this isn't a like, nice guy. We, we believe as Christians that this was God who stepped into the earth. That's the good news, that God was willing to do that. But what we often don't talk about is that he was completely human as well. It's this weird paradox. Completely God, completely human. And that's an important point. And so when you read something like this, well, of course, this is, this is Jesus talking and saying, hey. And you see this in other places in the Bible where Jesus is like flipping tables and getting angry. Like we can't decrease Jesus' humanity. So that's, that's one theory about this. The other theory about this, and you read another passage, the exact same passage story is in the book of Mark. When you read that, you find out that there's actually a third party that's present. It's not just the disciples and the dad, okay? Notice in the passage, he doesn't say, you faithless and corrupt dad. You faithless and corrupt disciples, he says, you people, and in fact, one, gener or, uh, uh, one translation says, you generation. There's another group of people there who are actually trying to trap Jesus. You see this in Mark. There are some people who are present who are trying to use this situation. They're following, they're following Jesus around and his disciples, waiting for them to do something wrong so that they can trap them and catch them, and these are the guys who eventually get Jesus killed. And so what's happening is some people think that Jesus is looking at this and going, oh my gosh, here's this kid who is suffering and you guys don't even care about it. You're just here to try to catch me somehow. The kid means nothing to you. All that anything means to you is trying to get me somehow. You faithless and corrupt people. Right? Those, those are the two theories of what's going on with this first one from Jesus. I'm going to let you figure out what you think. You decide which one it is, Okay. Now look, look what happens in verse 18. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. 
And from that moment, the boy was well. Imagine this. Don't just brush over this. Like, wow, <laughs> he did it. They couldn't do it. They had no power. But he did it somehow, right? End of story. Except the disciples are sitting there going, why couldn't we do that? And in fact, they ask him that question in verse 19. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? What was wrong with us? And in fact, when it says, why couldn't we do it, it the actual word, guess what? A dynamis. Why couldn't we do it? Why was there no power? Why didn't we have the same power that you have? What happened to us? Okay, now here's where Jesus is going to get in our grill again real quick. And this is where we can go off the train tracks if we're not careful with what he says. And let's, let's walk through this one because here's the tough one for the week. The next passage says this. Jesus looks at him. You don't have enough faith. Now, I want us to be careful as we walk through this. Here's why. Some of you have prayed like crazy for somebody in your life who is sick. You have prayed for crazy like somebody or some situation in your life that just seems insurmountable. And you have prayed and prayed and nothing has happened. And if you just read this passage you could start to think the problem is me. And maybe some of you in some church or family context have even been told that before. Well, if you just believed more, then such and such would happen. And you start to feel shame and guilt, like the problem with the sickness or situation is actually you and your lack of faith. That that is where some people go with this passage. I do not think that this is what Jesus means, and I'll tell you why. Look, look at the rest in, in, uh, as the verse 20 continues. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed. So, guys, Jesus is uh, intentionally choosing a mustard seed here. There were, people would have been familiar with any kind of agriculture terms then because they're out doing it. They're out planting. They're out doing all that stuff. Anybody would have known the second Jesus said a mustard seed, that's the smallest seed that you can imagine. This isn't a sunflower seed. This is the tiniest little seed. Jesus is saying, I'm just looking for that little bit. I'm looking for the tiniest thing. And you could say, if you had it to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'd move. Nothing would be impossible. Guess what the word impossible actually means when you, when you, in Greek? A dynamis. Nothing would be without power. There would be power with the faith as, as tiny as a little mustard seed. Okay, we're going to talk about that, but listen first. Here, here's where we can get off the train tracks, and I, this, this is where, uh, for me, the very first time I read this passage was in high school, and I had just decided that I was going to follow Jesus. I had no idea what that meant, but I'm like, all right, I'm in. And so I started trying to read the Bible. I started in Genesis. I made it like 10 chapters and I got bored and quit. And then somebody told me, actually, you should start Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So I did that and I started reading and I got to this passage and I thought, oh my gosh, I could do anything if I just believe. And I think I was fresh off watching Star Wars. And so I had, I had seen Yoda 
in the Dagobah swamp and he was out there doing, actually he's got three fingers. He's out there like doing his thing. And you remember how he raises the X-wing fighter out of the swamp. And I'm thinking, this is a cool, like I didn't know that being a Christian meant the force was real, you know? <laughs> so I, here's what I literally did. I got in my room, I closed my door. I took a baseball bat and I set it in the center of the room. And I thought to myself, I believe that God can do this. I believe that God can levitate this bat. So I sat on the edge of my bed and I closed my eyes. I swear I did this. And I stuck out my hands and I just started praying, God, I know you can do this. I know you can lift this. God, you created the heaven and the earth. This is going to be easy for you. You uh, raised from the dead. You created me. This is incredible. And as I started praying, I started doing this because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just lifting the bat right now. And I even looked up because I was like, I need to I need to prove to God that I believe. So I'm just going to look. I'm not even going to look down because it's not down there anymore. It's right up here. So I went like this and then I opened my eyes. And you guys, I know you're not going to believe me. The bat was there, <laughs> levitating in the air. It was incredible. No. <laughs> Stupid bat's on the ground still sitting there. And I'm like, ah! what did I do wrong? Do I not believe enough? Gosh, God, I'm so sorry. And then I felt guilty and I felt shame. And I thought maybe I just, maybe I'm a bad Christian and I haven't even started yet hardly. And no, no. Guys, I, what, what's so dangerous about this passage is it could make you the Yoda of your story, right? If it's really up to me how faithful I am, that somebody that I care about who has cancer either, you know, gets healed or not, or some situation in my life that just seems like this giant mountain that I can't move either happens or not. If it's up to me, in the end, I'm actually kind of the, either the hero or the villain of the story. That is not what Jesus is intending here, guys. What Jesus is intending for us to hear from this passage is it's up to us with the smallest little bit of faith that we can muster to believe that God does not have limits, to pray like God does not have limits, to pray that God could do anything, knowing that God may not knowing that God most likely, at least if it's my prayer life, will probably do something different than what I pray for. But the question is, am I limiting God? And what Jesus is saying is, man, talk to him, pray to him, beg him, plead him, drive him crazy. There's a there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus tells a, um, a parable where he talks about somebody showing up. Like prayer is like somebody showing up in the middle of the night at somebody else's door and they just keep knocking and driving that person nuts who's inside the house until they cannot stay in bed anymore because their whole family's gonna get woken up. They gotta stand up, they gotta go to the door, they gotta find out what this person wants and they will give it to them just to make them go away. That's what Jesus is saying prayer is like, to believe that God will answer prayer and do something miraculous, that God is capable of doing anything they want, and our job is to beg him to do so. Listen, guys, we live in the rich suburbs, a lot of us, 
And I'll tell you, when you live where we live, it is so easy to limit God, to explain everything in your life, to ignore the supernatural. Man, we got to, no. God is saying, do not limit me. Don't explain everything away. Pray like anything is possible. God with no limits in your life. What if your prayer life, your conversation with God actually looked like that? That God actually does have power and he's not having limits placed on him by our little itty bitty faith. Uh, There's something that our family loves to do. We're going to do this here in a couple months. We will go up to Estes Park. We have this little spring tradition where we drive up to Estes Park once the weather gets nice. And we go, you know, the big slide up there? Uh, we go to the place where the big slide is, and we love getting on those uh, go-karts and the bumper boats, and we'll just go crazy, you know? We're driving families out there, and there's all these people that are on vacation from Nebraska there, and I, I am so not competitive, but I will drive, and like if some seven or eight-year-old kid tries to pass me, I just put him in the tires, man. And, and then I like pray that his, you know, Nebraskan dad isn't bigger than me. Um, and so, but here's the thing. When you drive somebody into the tires, there's these little guys who are, stand over where the carts start and they have this cool computer thing where they can like push buttons and they can make you stop. You know what I'm talking about? So you can be like flying along and then you come to the end or somebody gets in the tires or somebody's, you know, hitting somebody else and they push the button and you go from fast to like... And you're like, I swear, I have my foot all the way on the gas. But they limit you. They cut you down in speed. They, they say you can only go this fast. And that's exactly what a lot of us do with God in our lives. Many of us, when we think about God and we think about what he's capable of doing in our lives, we say, you know what? If this is a racetrack, God, we're going to let you drive about 20 miles an hour. You, we think that God is capable of about a 20 mile an hour, like, you know, school zone kind of thing. We're going to allow God this much because that's about how much we think he's capable of. Some of, not, none of us would admit that. But come on, isn't the reality that? And, and the fastest way we can tell that in our lives is, are we regularly communicating with God and bringing before him things where we ask him to do something that is beyond belief. If we're not doing that, and I don't do that 99% of the time, we're letting God drive about 20 in our lives. We have put that artificial limit on him. Uh, A few years ago, I got to go to this thing. Never forget it because it was so, for me, it was such a cool thing. I just have this hero, a uh, faith hero of mine is a guy named Dallas Willard who writes tons of books. Some of you might be familiar with him. If you don't know who he is, just imagine those of you kind of business people that you, it's, this is like Warren Buffett, okay? Bill Gates, somebody like that. And so I got invited to go up to, you know, up on the Peak to Peak Highway, there's that Catholic retreat center and there's that little chapel that sits right on the road, Camp St. Malo. So I got invited to go up there because Dallas was getting old and this guy had this idea that, hey, before he dies, we're gonna get him on video just teaching for a couple days. And so 
really it was about 20 of us got invited to this thing. We got to go in, sit there and listen to Dallas teach for two days. It was an amazing experience, so cool. But I'll never forget, I don't know, I can hardly remember anything he said except for one thing he said during those two days, just like, I don't, know, I don't know why it hit me, but it just did. He had this moment, he's like a professor kind of guy. He, he goes, you know why people don't pray, don't you? And he pauses and it's kind of like, he's gonna say something incredibly profound right now. He goes, it's because we don't think it works. And he just stopped. And I looked at the guy next to me and we both smiled and we just like erupted in laughter. <laughs> so true. If I, if I actually believed that God was capable of driving more than 20 miles an hour in my life, I'd be crazy not to be begging him, pleading him, knocking on the door, talking to him. And yet I go a dynamis with God. I believe that God doesn't have power and so I don't actually talk to him. That's why a guy named Dale Bruner has this quote. He says, really, prayerlessness is powerlessness. When we're not in conversation with God and that constant begging, pleading, asking, that's when a dynamis is true in our lives. And so we can go through our lives thinking that our problems are the habits we have, the ambitions that we have that are misplaced, the addictions, all, all the things that we focus on externally that we go, oh man, if I just, if I just. I think what Jesus is saying in this passage is our real problem is that we put limits on our God. And I think he's inviting us into a new day where we pray differently. And we have a conversation with God that says, I'm gonna let you drive a little faster in my life. Now this is gonna be scary. And I think for some of us, we might just come to grips with the, um, the reality that we're fearful to actually pray to God for the miraculous in our lives. And, and I think the reason is, even subconsciously, is we fear to pray with some sort of boldness around something because we think that if God doesn't answer, at least in the way that we want him to or think he ought to, then the, the fear that we have deep down is that we might think, well, maybe God doesn't exist then. Maybe this all isn't real. When all the while, I think what God's inviting us into is to pray to God as if there are no limits to his power and what he can do in the world and then be surprised by how he answers it because it, I promise you, he will not answer your prayers the way that you think he will. That's just how he rolls. Can we move out of the 20 mile an hour zone? Could we, could we move to the 40 mile an hour zone? By the way, do you notice a quality difference between the 20 mile an hour zone and the 40 mile an hour zone? Who do you think did the 20 mile an hour zone? Okay, my art major wife saw me do that and said, all right, big boy, get out of the way. So. Man, at least we moved into like the moderate speed zone when we hit 40. This is when we start inviting God in, right? This is good. This is progress. This is like, okay, I'm, I'm learning to trust. I'm learning to believe that God could do something. This is, this is something to be celebrated. But we also don't want to stay there either, do we? This is still a limit. 
Sometimes I think the danger of the 40-mile-an-hour zone is for people that are, some of you guys are so gifted. And the, and the danger is, is that we, we live in the 40-mile-an-hour zone where we think, yes, God can do this. God, you know, God's capable. We start to pray more. We start to believe. We start to ask. But really deep down inside, there's a big half of us that thinks it's actually still kind of up to me. It's actually still up to what I can do. And, and so we exhaust ourselves in the 40-mile-an-hour zone because at the end, we think it's actually still us. We kind of lead this little half-life. God, yes, but me, really. Look at this quote I ran across this week. I thought this was so interesting. Uh, the world is full of half-believing unbelievers and half-unbelieving believers. Yeah, think about that one, don't you? It's just ironic that there's so many people in this world who actually may not consider themselves Christians or believers in Jesus, whatever, but who really believe in the supernatural to some extent, right? A half-believing unbeliever. And then there's people that really do believe in Jesus and, and, and we would say, yeah, we believe that he rose from the dead and yet even that power rising from the dead still puts us in that half-belief zone where we're driving 40 with him going, yeah, but I think really the way I pray and the way I interact with you shows that I'm kind of a half-unbelieving believer. Man, I, what would it look like to not put this limit on God and instead say, we're on the freeway? How do we move to saying, all right, God, I believe. I believe you can do stuff that is beyond what I can imagine. I believe that you are capable and I was thinking about this this week going, gosh, yeah, if we could just all be on the freeway. And then I started thinking, but isn't this still a limit too? A um, bunch of years ago, Karen and I got to go on a trip and we, we had so much fun. Pre-kids, we got on trains and we went all around Europe. We went to Switzerland and France and ate Rosti and gelato and, oh my gosh, we had so much fun. And, but one of the most fun things we did was we rented a car in Austria. And so we're driving around Austria, these little back roads, and there's motorcycles everywhere. I don't know why, but there just are. And so we're, we're going through all this. And I was just like, Karen, like we were headed toward Germany uh, to go to the Neuschwanstein Castle. And I'm like, it would be so cool if we could just get on the Autobahn for just a second. The no speed limit Autobahn. So we did. So we get on the Autobahn, I'm driving. And I think I got so pumped, I, like I pushed it and I probably hit like 90 or 100. I'm like in that zone in the, uh, our little rental car and I'm like, check me out, you know? And I'm driving, I'm telling you guys, this Mercedes went by us and it was like this. I mean, we're doing 90 or 100 and I can't even imagine how fast this guy was going. There was no speed limit for this guy. And those of you who have ever driven over there, maybe you've seen something else. You don't see this. You know what you see? This little sign. It means there's no limit. There is no speed limit. Just go. Guys, I think this is exactly what Jesus is saying in this passage. He's saying to you, to you today, to me today, stop putting limits on me. There's no limits. Think for a second right now, where have we put limits on God in the way we pray, in the way we act, 
Man, who is it in your life that you used to pray for and you gave up? Who is in your life where you're like, ah, they're past any help now? Man, don't drive 20, don't drive 40, don't drive 60. Where in our lives do we have a situation at work with health and we've just kind of stopped communicating with God? Because just like those guys up the go-karts, we've kind of put the remote control on him. We've said, eh, he can only drive 20, 40, 60. He's not actually capable of doing this. What if today that started to change for you? What if today you said, you know what? God is capable. I believe that the same God who had the limitless power of raising Jesus from the dead is capable of tackling whatever it is in my life, whatever that mountain is in your life. Man, God's not calling you to be Yoda. He's saying, come to me with a little mustard seed. Could you come with a little mustard seed that says God is capable of doing anything, anything. And then we sit back and we see what he does and I guarantee you it probably won't be what you thought. But maybe in the end you'll be like, oh, thank God it wasn't. Pray without limit. Maybe today it's just taken a step from 20 to 40 or 40 to 60. Maybe today you'd say, I'm not even, I'm not even on the, behind the wheel. I'm like at a stop sign. Maybe today it's that first step of saying, God, I'm just going to let you start to drive a little bit in my life. I'm going to start the conversation with you today. What's, what's the first step into letting God drive faster in your life today? and believing that he's capable of limitless things in your life. Here's what I want to do. When you came in, I hope you got a little sticker. We set a little sticker on every single chair when you came in the room. Now, now you know what it means. I want you to take it this week. I want you to put it on the back of your phone or on your mirror or on your notebook or on your car somewhere where you're going to see it this week. And what I want to do for a second here is I'm just going to lead us. I'm going to, I'm going to have a moment of quiet, and I want you to talk to God. And I want you to ask God, God, where have I limited you? Where, where have I put you at 20 miles an hour? And I want you to start that conversation right now. And then this week, as you go through that week, I want you to look at that sticker and just keep praying. Because God, I can guarantee you, isn't going to do something overnight. But you keep knocking on that door, believing that he has no limits, and let's see what happens. God, we want to lift to you this, and I just, I want to confess to you <laughs> that uh, I, I live often at a stop sign or the 20-mile-an-hour zone, and actually, by my actions, show that I don't believe that you're capable of doing beyond what I can hope or imagine. God, would you... Um, like the dad says in the scripture, uh, I want to believe, help my unbelief. Give me a mustard seed. Um, God, we can't even come to that faith on our own. We've got to have your help even to just get a mustard seed's worth of faith. I, I pray this morning, God, that as we think about this and our interaction with you and life with you, or maybe beginning a life with you, that you'd help us to take a first leap of faith or even a step of faith or a crawl towards you.
today where we trust you and believe you and think we can talk differently to you and believe that you're capable of more maybe than we've ever thought before. So God, I, we're just gonna take a second in silence and hear the people, hear us all in this room as we lift to you an area where we have limited you. comes to my mind is somebody that I've given up on, somebody I love who I've stopped praying for. Uh, would you help me, Lord, to move to the no speed limit zone and believe, God, that you're capable. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, we love you. Hear us now as we pray and sing to you. Uh, we pray, God, that as you hear us sing, that it would be a, a song that has no limits and that we start uh, right here and right now uh, moving and, and, and removing those limits that we have placed on you. So here is God in Jesus' name, amen.